Y'all can be seated. But I serve a God that does not fail. Man, that is such good news to me. So there's this, uh, there's this old lady. And she had faith. She had faith. She had like lots of faith, right? And um, she was real bold in it. Y'all know those kind of people? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously? Do y'all know those kind? Of, everybody in here knows that person that's real bold in their faith, right? Well, there's this lady, right? She's real bold in her faith. And, um, and she would always walk outside on her front porch and she would say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, she had a neighbor that was an atheist. And he would always walk out on his front porch and said, there's no God. And she would say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, then he would come back and say, there's no God. And then she, she came out one day and she, she had fallen on some hard times. And she needed groceries. And she was, she was broke. And she stepped outside and she goes, oh, thank you, Lord. I need some groceries. And he came back out. There's no God. And so the next morning, or that night, little atheist dude runs over and he put some groceries on her front porch. And she walked outside and he, he was standing behind a bush and she said, oh, thank you, Lord, for the groceries. And he jumped out and he said, there's no God. I paid for the groceries. And she said, well, thank you, Lord, for the groceries and especially for making the devil pay for it. <laughs> I don't usually tell jokes, but I ran up on that this week and I've been laughing all week. <laughs> so we're... Uh, if you've got your Bible, turn, or it'll be on the screen, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So look, we're in the middle of this sermon series, and it's, uh, it's how we're saved. And of course, I got, I've been out a couple weeks, and, and I was given, uh, well, faith. So I could get up here and say, have faith, and you're saved. And we could all go eat lunch. <laughs> and y'all probably would say, man, come on, Chris. That'd be pretty good. But I'm not going to do that today. So if you have your Bibles... Turn to um, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through, say it, faith, right? Through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is, what's the next word? But what's the, it is the. It is the gift of God, remember this, not by works, so that no one can boast. So saved through faith, not from your, not not from, well, not from us. It's not from our works. It is through nothing more than believing that Jesus died on a cross, rose from the dead for your sins, and it's sitting on the right hand of God the Almighty, right? He's real, quick, he's real quick to point out that it's not by works. And I don't know about you, but I am so guilty. I've always been so guilty, especially when I start feeling bad about myself, about maybe if I go serve over here, God's going to like me a little bit more. God's really digging on me today because I paid for, you know, some ladies' groceries at the store while everybody was looking at me, and, man, I was looking really good. Right? I mean, because that's, honestly, if I'm, if I'm straight up. But he's saying, no, it's through faith. Not by works, but through 
faith. You can't earn your way into heaven. You know, when I was, um, I'm a, I'm a, my mom will tell you this, faith is a really difficult thing for me. Like, I like facts. I like knowing that one plus one is two, and there's nothing you're ever going to do to make three. Right? So faith was always, it was not natural for me to have faith. And, but when I started studying other religions, whatever, I realized one thing, that there's, hey, there seems to be only one religion that it's not about earning your way into heaven. That's why everybody else in the world, all other religions, think we've lost it and that we're, we're Satan. That's why they hate us so bad, because this idea of grace and not earning your way into heaven is foreign. It's foreign. And if I'm, if I'm honest with you today, I, I, I just want to tell you, the first three days of this week, I was, I've been out of town a lot recently, and I, I've, I, the first three days of this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, were, were probably three of the hardest days uh, and of challenging days that I've had in a while. I'm telling you, I was, I was struggling. Man, nothing went right. And every single thing that, that I, every solution that I had to, to make it right was, it didn't work. It was tough. And I was stressed out. And I woke up Thursday morning and I was, I was so tired. I was just mentally and physically tired. And I went to bed late on Wednesday night and I woke up extremely early because I can't explain it, but it was as if God was going, get up. Get up, Chris. Get out of bed. I was like, bro, I'm going to bed. And I turned over, and, I, and it was the weirdest thing. I could not. So I, I knew God was telling me to get up. And the first thing I heard, the first thing I heard in my head, I don't know why, was I do more. I do more, Chris. Chris, guess what? Get out of bed because I'm about to show you that I do more. And he led me to Ephesians 3.20. I went into my, where I sit in my room and I opened up the Bible, I mean in my den, I opened up the Bible on Ephesians 3.20. And it said to him, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power, That's at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. And what God was telling me was, hey, Chris, I do more. Like God does more. Immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine. And what God was telling me on Thursday morning at the crack when I was extremely exhausted was, Chris, I know you're going through craziness. But take that step. You've done it before. Why are you not doing it now? Take that step of faith. I do more, Chris. And I was, I was honestly going, but, but, but God, and I, I do more. Well, but, you know, God, uh, Chris, I do more. And you know what else? The very next thing he told me, this is what you're preaching on Sunday. And somebody's going to be there that needs to hear that I am the Almighty God that does immeasurably, immeasurably more than you can ever ask or even imagine. Think about that. I don't know what, like my head, I imagine these, I'm a dreamer. 
I imagine some big things, and God's going, no, man, I'm bigger than that. I do more. And He told me, and there's someone out here right now that you need to know that I do more, says the Almighty God. And it starts with faith. It starts with faith. I've been in the ministry for a long time. I should know about faith. But God told me, and He's telling you, that I do more. And like that, that heart attack to come, I was feeling on Thursday morning when I, I went to bed with, the reason I didn't sleep, when I felt like, man, I'm literally, my chest is so tight, I'm about to have a heart attack. As I was sitting on the couch with this Bible, open to Ephesians 3.20, calmness started coming over me that I can't explain. Because I said, God, I've taken a step of faith before, and I'm going to do it again. And you know what? You know all I heard? When I said, I'll do it, God, I was thinking that, okay. I thought, man, God's going to be like, okay, well, let me give you 2,000 paragraphs of how awesome that is, <laughs> that what you're about to do. But you know what I heard? I do more. See, I'm expecting God to take care of this one little thing or or to handle this one. No. I do more, says the Almighty God. You take this step of faith, try the next one. Try the next one. That's what I was hearing Thursday. And I know. I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is. You may not know Jesus. You may be about to start a business. You may be about to leave your wife or husband. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you that God told me to tell you that I do more with faith than you can ever dream or imagine. And I hope that you find the the stillness in your heart that I got in mine on Thursday morning. You have your, uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do something. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I do more. Okay, now turn to your other neighbor and tell them why you didn't pick them. Okay, some of y'all, y'all t- some of y'all have a technicality, but some of y'all... Oh, man. If you have your Bibles, today's scripture is Acts. We're going to look at Acts. And uh, Acts 9. Now, look, when I read this the other day, I, uh, I got to say, it, it really it caught me off guard. You know, uh, one of the things I love about scripture is uh, I get kids, a lot of times they ask me when I speak to kids, they're like, how many times have you read the Bible? You know, like, I remember when I asked a preacher that in Sunday school years ago, and I was like, you ever read the Bible? And he was like, yeah, lots. I was like, no way, dude, nobody can read that many words. You know, it's like that thick. And as a kid, but like, I, you know, kids will ask me, but yet, every time I reread something, the Lord shows me something different. And I want you to know what I've read today, I've read a lot of times. And I want to share with you what God showed me. 
in the, I don't, in another time of reading this. All right, so y'all bear with me. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that would be followers of Jesus is what they called it back then, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Then or the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. He heard the sound, or they, they heard the sound but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and didn't eat or drink anything. In Damascus where there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many, many reports about this man and all the harm that He's done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and, and their kings and before the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house, and he entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he sent me so that you may see again and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. It's a lot. It's a lot of scripture. So let me, let me, let me sum it up real quick. I'm going to be brief. There's two people in this story that I identify with. Obviously, there's Saul and there's Ananias. I want to start with Ananias. So Ananias is a believer, right? He believes in Jesus. He is a follower of the Lord. And so God comes to him and is like, uh, Ananias. You know that dude's been killing people like you? I need you to go up to him and put your hand on him. I'm sure Ananias, as it said right here when he went, say what? Which is like how I saw it. Look, start, look, start, in, uh, start in verse 10. All right, and then go down to 11. It says, go to the house of, uh, house of Judas on Straight, Straight Street, ask for a man named Tarsus. All right, now look, look down to 13. Lord. Lord. He probably went, oh, Lord. <laughs> Are you serious? Go, all right, so uh, where were we? Lord, 
I've heard many reports about this man and all, who, and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. Okay, let's stop right there. Flip back to chapter 8. Alright? To verse 1. So Stephen, right? Stephen was his, was his follower of Christ. And the verse 1 says, And Saul was there giving approval to his death. So Saul was there making sure that Stephen died. And then if you look down to uh, verse 3, it says, But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. This is the dude that the Lord told Ananias to go put his hand on him. Man. I bet Ananias was freaking out. Freaking out. Can you imagine in Ananias' mind how big that was? Think about how big that was. That step of faith that God was asking him to take. That was huge. That was huge. He was a believer. But you know what? He did it. He went. He took that step of faith. And look what happened. Look what happened. I don't know about you, but I love getting off on technicalities, as I talked about a little while ago. You know, there's little bitty things that I'll do to get off on technicalities, like, well, but you technically didn't say water the plants, you know, while you were out of town, Polly. You know? So the fact that they're dead is not technically my fault. It's your fault. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but seriously, like, so, because... What God tells him is that, hey, I've got a vi- he, he's had a vision that you're going to do this. Right? What I would have done is just, I would have walked up and been like, yo, Saul, and I'd have been, I'd have had my, I'd have had my Air Jordans on, ready to go. And I'd have just kind of yelled, hey man, God wants you and taken off. But no, he did exactly what God was calling him to do. And it scared him. And he only had one thing he was supposed to... You just have to go to this place and do this one thing. And my question to myself, and I hope for all of us, is what is God calling you to do right now? If we seriously sit and think about it, every one of us can think of something. It may be something as small as, hey, Neil, I need you to get up and start reading my word each morning. Your offering to me is going to be sacrificing some sleep so that when you're tired throughout the day, you can think of me and you can turn to me from strength. Maybe it's something like that. Or maybe it's, hey, I need you to go start this business because the 10% that you, of the business, of the money that you're going to get back is going to start crazy, crazy ministries. It's going to change lives. Some of you here are doing that. And it's changing lives. Maybe it's, would you go to your neighbor's house and tell them that I love them? You know, it doesn't have to be go to Africa. It doesn't have to be go to Honduras. Maybe it's tell your wife that you love them unconditionally as Jesus loves the church. 
that you want to talk to her about Jesus each morning? I don't know. You know, though. If we're all honest with ourselves, we know. Because I know what God's called me. Maybe it's overcoming an illness. Maybe you're faced with something that's so big and so scary and you're fearful as Ananias was when he thought he was going to get his head chopped off by the guy that was chopping off heads. (laughs) And God's saying, hey, just go. Go. If you look at If you look at verse uh, 15, Ananias is like, whoa, 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 but, 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 now God, same thing Moses did, but, 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 and he went, go. He didn't give a long, drawn out, just, hey, hey, hold up, just go. I got your back. Because I do more, you see, I do more than you can ever ask or imagine. So if I'm asking you to go, imagine what that's going to do. I love uh, when I read through the Scriptures and I think about, you know, I do more. Well, when a little bitty dude that's going to be king one day, when he straps on it all, he's got is a slingshot and he's facing a giant and he can take that slingshot and everybody else is like trying to put all this stuff on him, this armor And he's like, get that off me. Let me take my slingshot and take a step because my God does more. And he slings it and he kills Goliath. When Elijah goes before and and he's he's saying, hey, all you you Baal worshipers, like y'all call out to your God and I'm going to call out to mine to bring rain, which we hadn't had in a long time, but I'm going to call out to him. And by the way, before before I call down fire, to suck this water up that's in this hole? Like, watch this. Y'all call your God. We know what happened. God showed up that day. And He took what would, should, in all common sense, no way, no way fire could have come down. But He did. Because He does more than you can ever ask or imagine. And you know what else I love about that story and Elijah and I encourage you to go to 1 Kings and read that is that, is that it says that, that when they were looking out over the ocean after that happened, they were thinking that rain was about to fall and they, he said, well, there's a tiny little cloud sitting way out there over the ocean. Looks like it might be a rain cloud, but you know, I don't, I don't think so. And then all of a sudden they were like, get ready, bro, because it's coming. And a monsoon came. Because our God will take the tiny little steps if we'll just take them, and He'll do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. That's the God we serve. I want to tell you all a little story. Neil was, I mean, uh, David was talking about Ignite. So, Ignite Sports Camp, as you know, it seems like every time I preach, I get up here and I talk about it. But in all honesty, I love it. My, uh, we helped start this thing eight, or we did start this eight years ago. And, but what happened was, and I, I tell you this, and I don't, it has nothing to do with me. I tell you this because I want you to know and, and see how big our God is. Eight years ago, myself and two friends of mine, all we thought to do was, Lord, we, we sat in a coffee shop in Oxford. <laughs> Got to say Oxford, shout out. But that's a holy coffee shop.
shop up there at High Point. If y'all happen to listen to this, I'll take my free coffee. But um, <laughs> no, but seriously, so we, we were sitting in High Point. And all we did, we're like, man, we have screwed up so much, and yet God loves us. We are so broken, and yet God loves us. And what can we do? I'm a musician. They're professional baseball players. Let's just take our gifts and try to start. Let's start a camp. But, or pray about it. All we agreed to do, when we go home, all we can do, guys, we're just going to sit down in an office every Friday morning, and we just agreed to start praying about it. And I called Dobby. You mentioned Dobby. Dobby, we were all in a small group. I came to our small group, and I said, y'all, we're just protected. We were all in this group, and I said, y'all, we're just going to pray about this. Just want y'all to know that we're just agreeing to pray about this on Fridays. That's all we did. Eight years later, we've now merged with Teddy and his dad with Heart of David Ministries, and we got Jay involved. And I can't, I literally, I can't tell you the number of kids that have accepted Christ because it's been so many. I can't tell you of the lives that have been changed from the counselors, from myself, from those that are now involved, from, from the campers. But what I can tell you is this. God does more. God does more. I will tell you this, though, because it's so typical of the kind of things that happen to me, I'll just say. But on the uh, a month, uh, uh, three weeks before our very first camp, three weeks before the first camp, we, um, we had uh, zero money in the bank. We were on the hook for about $40,000. And... Um, we had three campers signed up, solid, zero counselors. So, and I didn't have $40,000, or I didn't have the money it was going to take for my portion of that. And so we were like, well, all right, Lord, we're pretty sure that you called us to do this. And we took a step of faith. And so I had this little Ignite uh, on my computer. I had this little Ignite tab, you know, the, the, on my contact, a contact list. And I, I, I just assumed it was the list to the four people that were, you know, starting this thing. So I sent to y'all, y'all, what are we going to do? We got no money. We got no campers. We got nothing. What in the world is going on? Y'all got to get some money up in here. Literally, like, because I type kind of like I talk sometimes. And I hit send, and as soon as I did, I went, and I almost vomited. Because I realized that that week before, and I was like, y'all check out my Ignite call list. I'm about to call everybody on my contact list. Well, that's who I sent it to. (laughs) And I started getting these reply emails like, dude, I got you back, man. Here's 500. Here's this. Here's that. Well, God funded the camp. (laughs) He funded the camp. And we miraculously had counselors. But you know what he told me through that? Have faith. I do more. Second person I want us to look and look at today is Saul. And this is going to be short and sweet. God took a murderer. God took a broken individual. God took a man that, as it said, was persecuting Jesus and changed the course of history. And yet we don't want to take that step 
because we think there's not proof enough that Jesus was real. And I'm telling you today that those of you that don't know him, there's more. Oh, there's more. And these stories that I share like this, I could sit down and tell you hundreds. I could st- I, I don't even know. I literally don't know. Broken individuals that have been scared to death that thought there's no way that Jesus would ever want me because I'm so screwed up. I'm so broken. And if I'm, if I'm honest, I'm looking at some dudes out here and some people that felt the same way and did things that are so shady and felt like they weren't worthy. But guess what? God does more. And we serve an almighty God that is bigger than any screw-up you've ever had. He is bigger than any type of crazy thought. He is bigger than any damage you've done, any drugs you're hooked to, any time, however many times you've cheated on your spouse. All He wants you to do is get on your knees and believe in Him. Because He will do immeasurably more than you ever ask or imagine. See, that's the God we serve. How can you not want to serve Him? You scared of something? Honestly, I get that way. But I know this. I know God is truth. I spent the first 30 years of my life doing everything I could to disprove that he was real because I thought the fact that some dude lived in the belly of a well was just the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my life. I'm serious. I thought the fact that some dude built a boat and dropped a bunch of animals in there. You know what I was thinking? Well, what did he eat if he was hungry? What if he killed one of the two? Then what was he going to do? I mean, like, that's the kind of stuff that was keeping me from believing in Christ. That is ridiculous. When I was in high school, I had, a, I had a chemistry teacher. His name was Mr. Pendergrass. Man, he was something, wasn't he, Jay? <laughs> he was something. But Mr. Pendergrass knew that I was hung up on a lot of things. And one of the things that, that he did was we were in there one day, we were talking about gases. And he was like, Chris, there's these gases are over here. And I'm like, well, I don't see them. Well, they're gases. Where, where are they? No, 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 no. I mean, like, but they're gases. Again, where are they? We had these, you know, these little tubes and all this stuff. And I had a hard time believing. And he sat me down and he said, Chris, take a breath. Okay. What'd you just breathe in? Oxygen. Well, where is it? What do you mean? Chris, where's the oxygen? Well, it's everywhere. What happens if you don't have oxygen? And he took this this little thing, and there was like a candle, and he put this oxygen over it. And as the, what happened? As the oxygen was gone, so was the life of the candle. And so I looked at that and I thought, I don't see it, but I know it's there. When I accepted Christ, as I said earlier, I was 30 years old when I accepted Christ. And um, I was at a, uh, I was, I was at this walk to Emmaus 
which y'all know about. But I remember sitting there that night, and, and, and I, I, I had every objection to, to taking that step of faith. I had heard that God does more, but I had objected to it. I, didn't, I, just couldn't, I was struggling, struggling. But I, I saw these signs of grace. I didn't even know what grace was. Truly, honestly, if I'm honest, I didn't even get it, grace. Like, that's just some word, or like a store or something, you know? And, but I started seeing that these random people that I didn't even know were praying for me, and, were, and I saw this act of love that I'd never known. And I was having a hard time, and finally, I walked in and I saw something I'll never forget. And I hit my knees. Did. I accepted. I took that step of faith. And I went, because <gasps> I was crying. And as I breathed in, guess what went in to me? Life. Life went into me. When I took that step, life went into me. When I took that breath, life went into me. And I'm telling you, whoever that person or people or whoever it is today that God told me is going to be here, life will come into you when you allow Him to do more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. Because that's the God we serve. Let me pray for us. Lord God, as we come before You, Father, we acknowledge that You are good. You are great. God, you can take a simple step of faith and grow it into something bigger than we ever dreamed of. God, you can take a broken murderer and change the world through simple acts of faith. And God, I'm calling on you right now, Father. I'm calling on you right now to take whoever it is and give them the strength, give them the courage, God, to take that faith God, I pray that when they wake up in the morning, they will do as David did in Psalm 18.1 and say, I love you, Lord, my strength, my rock. Lord, I pray that as they take that step, that they breathe in the oxygen that gives them life and they accept Jesus and your faith and your love and your grace that gives them life. Father, my prayer today is less of us and more of you. In Jesus' name, amen.